Gratitude adjustment. I wonder how you're doing. And you don't have to answer this, but just think about it. I wonder how you're doing on the gratitude front. You know, how are you doing with being thankful during this month? I hope that the gratitude side of your life is always increasing. That's really what I hope for me. I, I hope that my gratitude increases, that it never diminishes. That's really important. And, and I think it's great that every year Thanksgiving does come around for us to have that kind of, re, kind of reinvigorated into our lives. But I want my gratitude to be more than just one time a year. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? And I think God would be pleased with that, that we're not just grateful at a holiday, but we're grateful generally in every, in every respect. So to do that, we have to have some adjustments made in our lives, and we talked about that, what gratitude adjustments we could make. And then last week, Jeremiah did a great job, again, of unpacking gratitude from this, these, these very simple but profound truths that sometimes we just overlook but we need to come back to them. We need to revisit them because then it helps us anchor our gratitude into something that's substantial, that's unchanging. Well, today what I want to do is we want to, I want, we're going to talk about being grateful, being grateful. You say, well, that, okay. What, is that, what exactly does that mean? Well, let me, let me start it this way. I love, I love Thanksgiving. I love the Thanksgiving holiday. It's probably uh, my favorite of all holidays. And I can remember... Uh, well, let me say it this way. I'm just planning, I'm planning, I'm planning this Thursday to overeat, okay? And now I'm done, I'm, what I'm going to tell you is you are too, okay? It's just kind of the way it is. It's kind of a tradition to overeat. And, you know, we really get, we really get geared up. You know, we get our game face on. We get, we're ready to embrace the Thanksgiving overeating chaos, and we do it with joy. You know, we are excited about it. I remember as a kid, my brother, my brother would eat, you know, he, he had one of those metabolisms that he could just eat, 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 right? And well, he would do that, he would do that in a crazy way at Thanksgiving. And I can remember him getting up from the, from the table after the Thanksgiving feast and really just kind of stumbling into the, into the living room, you know, just this, he says, okay, I'm going to go lay down and digest for a while. And then he would, then literally two hours later, he's, he's back up and he's at it again. And you know, when I think about this, I've done the same thing. The, the food is so tempting. It's just the appetizers are great. It's the one or two times a year where you have multiple choice for desserts. I mean, come on. If you're going to have dessert, usually, you know, it's this, it's that. You know, it's, it's a cookie, it's a piece of that, whatever. But not at Thanksgiving. You got all kinds of stuff. So it's just, oh, it's just set up. It's set up so good to overeat, and it's just wonderful, and I'm good at it. I'm good at it, and so are you. So are you, and here's, here's, here's what happens. Here's what happens. We overeat, and we get full, right? You know what it's like? You know what the feeling is? You're full. You're just full. In fact, you're over full. Well, we're going to talk about being Great, full today. And my point is this. Am I full? There's a question. Am I full of gratitude? Am I full of gratitude or grateful in a way similar or more so than the experience of the Thanksgiving feast? Now, you, you say that's, okay, I'm not, sure, I'm not exactly sure what to do with that. Look at it once again. 
am, am I full of gratitude or grateful in a way similar to, similar or more so, than the experience of the Thanksgiving feast. You see, we understand what it is to be full at Thanksgiving. But do we understand what it means to be grateful? Do we have that same feeling in our life that really reflects being filled with gratitude? So what I want to do for a few moments, I want to give you some statements about being full. And I'm going to use the suffix of full to help us do that. Now, there are literally hundreds of different words that you can use with that suffix, but I've just selected seven. Now, it's not a comprehensive list, but I believe what it will do, it will illustrate for us some of the elements that are so critical in being filled with gratitude or grateful. Before we do that, back real quick to our series verses. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now that's, the, that's really the, that's where this whole series turns, on changing the way we think. We've got to adjust. We have to adjust our gratitude. We have to adjust the way we think about gratitude. So, and I love this, then you will know, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. All of us want to know God's will. All of us do. We want to understand what God's will is. Well, here it is. It's when our mind is changed, when we're, our thinking is adjusted. And then you read this, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for what? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will for you and for me to be grateful, full of gratitude. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Seven things. The first one is this. We're grateful when we are remorseful for sins forgiven. When we're remorseful for sins forgiven. You think of that for a minute, you go, remorseful, that's kind of an odd thing to be thankful for. But when you're remorseful, remorse is to have a deep and painful regret for wrongdoing. So you, you have this deep, this deep feeling of regret because of something we've done. And here it's regarding sin. We, all of us, the, the scriptures are very clear, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. And that way is away from God. We have disobeyed. We have been born into sin. We, by the very nature of our lives, are contrary to God. But when we recognize that, and we express remorse, and sorrow, and regret, I'm telling you something, that's a reason to be grateful for remorse. But it's, it's the remorse that leads us to salvation. It's the remorse that leads us to this forgiveness that God provides. And I, I love the fact that each of us who know Christ, we have recognized the fact that we are not in right standing with God, and yet He is 
by His Spirit drawing us to Himself to make, to, to effect a change. Psalm 32, verse 1 and verse 2 says, It is a great blessing when people are forgiven. Can you say amen to that? It is a great blessing when people are forgiven for the wrongs they have done, when their sins are erased. It is a great blessing when the Lord says they are not guilty, when they don't try to hide their sins. I want to tell you something. This is a, this is a powerful truth. It's a powerful truth. There is blessing connected when we are remorseful, when we begin to see what we have done to, 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 to not remain in the right relationship with God. When that comes to view and we respond, I'm telling you, there is reason to be grateful. 2 Corinthians 7 says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin, and it results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. You see, remorse, should remorse when it comes to the things of God, should, re, should immediately, the response is, should result in what? Gratitude. Gratitude. Understand this. Remorse of which I'm speaking is called conviction. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that draws us to the Father. I want to tell you something. Often, people think about conviction in a negative sense. That conviction is a bad thing. That I don't like the way I feel, but there's nothing greater than the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The reason is, it is God by His Spirit drawing you back into a right relationship with Him. Thank you, Jesus, for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. And bring it on even more so. Amen? I want to be in a place where the Spirit of God is speaking. And I want to be sensitive to that. And are you full of gratitude for sins forgiven? We must always be grateful for the forgiveness of sin and the remorse that got us there. That got us there. You see, just to be clear, it's conviction. It's the heaviness that accompanies the knowledge that we have fallen short of the glory of God. It, it's the recognition that the wages of sin of death is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the knowledge that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, and then Acts chapter 3, verse 19. This is what we read. When they heard this, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? And then Peter responds a little bit later, repent then, turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. We are grateful, we're grateful when we're remorseful for sins forgiven. Second is that we are grateful when we are worshipful always, when we're worshipful always. Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Throughout the book of Psalms, you see over and over again uh, this, this admonition to worship and praise God. Two things that I want to just, as your pastor, just kind of lay out before you this morning. And here's the first one. I want to encourage you to participate in worship and not spectate. To participate and not spectate. There is a huge trend today throughout the church to just watch what's going on on stage. Now, 
we have to, as church leaders, I have to, as a church leader, I have to take responsibility for that. And I have to do my very best to make sure that what is being done here is worship and not just performance, as it were. It is really important that we, as the people of God, don't watch. We're not a spectator, but we are someone who is participating. You say, but Gary, I don't, you know, singing thing, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a particular, I'm not a singer. I beg to differ with you. I'll tell you why, and here's how I'm going to tell you. You may feel like you can't carry a tune. Okay, that's fine. But I can guarantee you something. If you're listening to the radio in your car, and your favorite song comes on, you are screaming that thing to the top of your lungs. Whether And you know why? Because you know that nobody around you is paying any attention to what you're doing. And that's exactly what should happen in this place. It isn't about what other people think about what you sing, how you sing, how loud or how... That's not the point, because it is for an audience of one, and that is to the Lord. We express our praise. We do so with, when we clap our hands. We do so when we lift our hands. We do so when we kneel. We do so when we shout. We do so when we praise God out loud. It is time as the church of Jesus Christ to participate and not be a spectator. You say, but there is no buts. All of the things that I just said... Those are biblical forms of worship. This just comes from Scripture. This isn't something I made up or someone else made up over the years. No, this is what, this is the expressions of worship in Scripture. And it's important as with the people of God is that we worship as Scripture declares. The second thing is I want you to practice your worship. You say, what exactly do you mean? Well, we participate, not a spectator. But we also practice. Now, <clears throat> I grew up in a very musical family. I've made that kind of known. So I've been singing every time, ever since I could talk. I probably started singing before I started talking. It's probably what it was. That's kind of what my mother made sure that I was doing. But, and I've been very, I've been, I'm blessed that God has given me the ability to sing and to lead worship and do all of that stuff that I've done over the years. I'm grateful for that. But you know what is so significant about that, just that alone, I'm just going to use that as a point, is where did I learn to do that? I learned to do it in church. I learned to do it in a place like this. I practiced my worship in this very safe and wonderful environment. You are safe to practice your worship here. And I cannot encourage you to do so more. And the reason, here's the reason. The reason is we become grateful when we worship continually. Why? Because your attention is no longer on yourself. It is on God. And when you put your focus on God, God begins to pour out into your life all of the reasons to be grateful. You are no longer just self-centered, but you are God-centered. And God does something at that moment that's transformative. I believe gratitude rises in our life when we begin to declare the greatness of God. Listen to what the psalmist says. As the deer longs for the streams of water, Psalm 42. So I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I, when can I go and stand before him? Can you imagine if every one of us just declared that, God, when can I go again and just stand before you and worship you? Because my heart, my, I long for you. I thirst for you. Day and night I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how I used to be. 
I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God, and I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Be people who practice worship. Participate and practice, and our gratitude will grow. We'll be filled with gratitude. The third thought this morning is that we're grateful when we are purposeful in the pursuits of life. Purpose. Purpose. You know, if you, if you and I walk through life without direction, uh, have you ever been just lost? I mean, really lost, out in somewhere lost. I've been lost. That's not a particularly fun place to be when you really have no idea where you're going. It, it can be a little bit frightening. A lot of anxiety can rise when you just don't know where you are. I've been lost driving, have no clue where I'm at thinking, where in the world am I? Especially when it's dark and raining. You end up in a ditch sometimes, which I did, by the way, because I didn't know where I was. But being lost, there's something about not having this purpose or direction in life. David Pink, he wrote a book, uh, a pretty popular book called Drive, and I've referenced this before. But he talks about in the book three different things that are very, very important. He says that people are primarily motivated by three things. Here they are. Number one, autonomy. In other words, to do the things on your own that you have the freedom to do. Second is mastery. In other words, you get good and proficient in something. And the third is purpose. And the most important of those three is purpose. That's what drives people, is purpose. To have something. And I would suggest this morning, and I'll go a little bit beyond suggestion. I'm going to make a declaration. I believe that when we have purpose, gratitude rises. We are filled with gratitude for what we have the opportunity to accomplish. I want to invite Nicole Herrera to come back and join me for just a moment. Everybody here, come on, give her a big hand as she comes, our missionary to France. And Nicole, what I wanted, what I felt was so significant is, is really two or three, there's a couple of things really. One, we're in the middle of missions month still. And I want to tell you right now, your gifts to missions over and above your tithes allow Nicole to go to France and to represent Jesus Christ and Crossroads Church in France, sharing the good news of Jesus. So thank you for your giving. And if you haven't yet made a commitment to missions, would you please consider doing so before this month ends? Nicole, tell us just real briefly, you, how, did, how did you end up in France? I mean, what was, the, what was kind of the genesis that got you to France all those years ago, all these years ago? I know it's been a while. Um, well, I'd always had a fascination for France for right. as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was always something that was in my house and everything. My sure. mom just always brought up France, and I loved it. But it wasn't until I was in Chi Alpha, so that's the college Good. Yeah. Um, ministry with the Assemblies of God. And so when I found Chi Alpha and... I started seeing, I can have a relationship with Jesus. What? Um, And I hungered for it so much, just like you were saying about, you know, stuffing ourselves with it. And I was a part of that ministry for two and a half years. And when I was graduating, I was really like, I want to give back to this ministry who has given so much to me, has filled me up so much. How can I go out? And, and do the same thing. 
And I wasn't sure if God was going to tell me to stay in Texas and do it there. But he was gracious and reminded me, hey, remember that dream you had about wanting to go to France? And so, Let me stop you real quick. Mm -hmm. You're fluent Spanish, correct? Yes. Okay, fluent Spanish. Now, were you already taking French at that point? Had you already learned the language by that kind of that moment in your history? Yeah, um, when I lived in El Salvador, I lived in El Salvador for five years, fun fact, Um, and the school I went to was actually mandatory to take French, so I started taking French from the age of 11, and I just loved it so much that I kept taking it. Think think about that. Is that a a coincidence? (laughs) No. (laughs) For what God God is doing, and then he has this in your heart to, to give back, to do something, you know, beyond it continue. I just I'm getting excited about that. It's cool. Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> so you're giving back. You you want to give back. Yeah. God is God is putting in your heart. What is next? Kind of what's the next stage of your life in Chi Alpha from Chi Alpha from Chi Alpha. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, sorry, from Chi Alpha to going to. France. Yeah, there you go. Yes. You got okay. it. You're on it. So, um, yeah, it was basically. You know, that desire of, okay, I had my small group leader who was right there next to me to pour into me, to show me the way to to know how to walk with Jesus. And I started thinking, well, where else in this world are there people who don't know how to walk with Jesus? And France is a place that has less than 2% Christians in the entire country who know how to walk with Jesus. And so I was like, Lord, I want to be willing to go to this nation and to just ref- be your light and reflect your love to others so that they can see. There's so much value in being able to see face-to-face when we're living with someone, when we're interacting with someone on a daily basis. We get to, you know, truly see Christ right. through not just their words but their actions. And that's something that France so desperately needs because it's been, religion has been so tainted just through history and everything. And so the French need that opportunity to see other believers and have the opportunity to to know that, hey, there is a God who loves me. And, you know, this girl has been so filled by his love that she's been willing to come and pour into me and love on me and now have some of my girls now go out to other cities, to other countries, and start pouring into other girls and seeing them come to the Lord. That's, you know, what, I, what I'm, let me just ask a real simple question. I think I know the answer to this. Would you say that you're grateful that you have the opportunity to serve God in France? So grateful. And it still blows my mind. There's days I will walk around our little city and I will look around and I'm like, I cannot believe that I get to be here and serve Jesus here. You know, you just said something so significant, so profound. I hope you heard it. You said, I get to, I get to serve the Lord in France. That's purpose. That's purpose. And you're fulfilling the purpose that God has set forth for you, and we are delighted. I told her, I said, I have to figure a way to keep her here and then have her there. So I don't know how to do that. We have to figure out that split personality thing. I'm not sure how that's all going to work. But Nicole, we love you. We appreciate you. And thank you for just sharing a little bit about your call 
and about what France is, what France means to you and your gratitude. Bless you. Thank, Thank you. you. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. So cool to have her here. Purpose. Remember, remember Acts 13.36. Powerful, powerful scripture. When David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Here's, here's what I want you to catch from that. Don't ever minimize the purpose that God has for you. God has purpose. And when you find that purpose and you begin to accomplish that purpose, something happens. You fill up with gratitude. You're grateful. You get to do what you're doing. It's not a have to. It's a get to. Thank you, Lord, that I can be in France. Thank you, Lord, that I can be at this particular job. Thank you, Lord, for what I'm doing here because I'm accomplishing the purpose for which you have set my life on course. Grateful, grateful for his purpose in our lives. The next is that we are grateful when we're mindful of others. When we're mindful of others. This is really a significant thing. I think it is so important to, 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 to recognize people in our lives. You know, I think back of all of the relationships that I have, and I'm grateful for, let me say it this way, there are a lot of challenges with social media. I'll be the first to admit that. But I'm really grateful for the connections that I've been able to, to the reconnections that I've been able to establish. I hadn't talked to my best friend, literally, in 30 years, and we found each other on social media. It was just special. And Doug was in the process, unfortunately, of passing because of cancer in his life, but it was so good for us to be able to reconnect before he went to be with Jesus. It was just a special time. I think of the people that I've had the opportunity to connect with throughout the country that Marcy and I have had the privilege of serving in ministry alongside. I'm also thankful, for, I mentioned a moment ago about getting lost on a rainy Santa Cruz night and getting stuck in a ditch. I am thankful for the guys who I still do not know who they were who helped me get out of the ditch. The point being is are we mindful of the people around us? Because when we are, I think our gratitude rises. We, we are filled up with gratitude because of people. I look, I look around here. I, I look into you know, to the online audience. I'm grateful for every one of you. We need to be mindful of the people in our lives. We need to be grateful for the people in our lives. This is not, we're just not passing through this, you know, whatever our lives might be, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever it is, there are people who profoundly affect us on every step of the way. When's the last time you just said, thank you, Jesus, for? I think it's profound. Listen to what Paul said. Romans 1, first, I love this. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you. You notice that? And nine out of the 14 letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, there's language just like that. And I love the priority he puts on it. First, I want to thank God through Jesus Christ for you. Wouldn't it be great? if we would just fill up our gratitude and be mindful of others in our lives? Now, I realize there are, some, there are some folks that just need a little extra grace required in our life. I get that. I get that. But yet, we should be grateful for all of the people that God allows us to connect through our time here. And don't miss this. Are we mindful of the people in our lives that enrich our lives 
that push us to be better, that correct us when we go off, rail, go off the rails, and that love us unconditionally. We need to be grateful for, and mindful of people in our lives. Next is that we are grateful when we are careful with our lives, when we're careful with our lives. This, don't, I don't want to minimize this. I was interested to discover that there are nearly a billion results on a Google search for this phrase. Ready? Taking personal responsibility. Just that phrase. Nearly a billion results. So you can see it's not a topic that is not visited often. I think there's, there is great interest and concern about caring for our lives appropriately. And I also believe that we are filled up with gratitude when we're careful over how we live our life. We're going to see that in just a minute in another passage of Scripture from Ephesians 5. But look at Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That is really good instruction. To be careful how we live our lives. Do we, you know, we're careful with what we wear. We're careful with, you know, we're careful with a lot of things. We're careful for our, you know, for the children. We're careful. But are we careful over our lives or are we careless? No, we need to be careful and make the most of the opportunities that God gives us. Gratitude, gratitude is from your heart and guides your actions. Gratitude is from your heart and guides our actions. Very important to understand this. When we adjust to a posture of gratitude, everything changes. Listen to what we read in Matthew 15. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. So we've got to what? Take care of our heart, the thing that drives our life. We've got to be careful in our lives. And then our gratitude, our gratitude will be full. We're grateful when we're careful with our lives. Also, we're grateful when we are joyful even in ever-changing circumstances. And can anybody say that there's been no changes in 2020? Nothing odd about this year. No circumstance. Oh, no, it's just routine. Oh, good grief. It's been anything but routine. I don't know how many times I've referenced the nuttiness of this year. And we all have. It is a constant point of conversation. No matter what conversation you're in, we're always talking about 2020. It'll be permanently embedded in our brains of how weird this year has been in so many ways. But you know something, we're still to remain joyful even when circumstances are just all over the place. Paul is very clear. Ephesians 5.20, I told you about that. And give thanks for everything to God. Ready for this? For everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. Philippians 4.6. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, there's nothing that we are not in the, in the midst of that we should not continue to be grateful. Even when circumstances are crazy, gratitude should never disappear from our response in life. Listen to this. It is not happiness that brings gratitude. It is gratitude that brings us happiness. And that is so important. We flip that so quick. No, no, no. It's gratitude. It is the heart of the matter. 
That has to be the priority. It's gratitude. Also, and finally, we're grateful when we are hopeful in a secure future. You know, I'm great, I am very grateful that I have hope beyond 2020. Now, that should have given a really good opportunity for an amen. Just telling you. I'm going to say it again. I'm grateful that I have hope beyond 2020. And if, it's, and if things don't turn around 2021, I still have hope. 22, I still have hope. 23, I still have hope. And it goes on and on and on. The reason is, is because my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. And I'm telling you, that rock's not going anywhere. And he, in fact, has prepared a place for me and for you and for all who know him. He's ready for us. He's ready for us. We have a secure future. So our hope is secure. And we can, when we're filled with hope, our gratitude rises. It's when hope diminishes that our gratitude disappears. We stop, we become cynical. We become negative about everything. No, put your hope in Christ and keep your hope in Christ and your gratitude will remain full and vibrant. Listen to what we read in Revelation 22. Then I was told, then I was told, I am coming soon. Jesus said, and when I come, I'll reward everyone for what they've done. Listen to this. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God will bless all who have washed their robes. They will each have the right to eat fruit from the tree that gives life, and they can enter the gates of the city. There is hope for us. We have a secure future. We should be grateful. Neil Donald Walsh, I don't know necessarily who this person is, but this, this is so good. This is what he said. He said, the struggle ends, the struggle ends when gratitude begins. I'm telling you, that is so very true. Hope returns when gratitude, when gratitude is, is, we're so filled with gratitude, hope returns. It's there. And we need to remain filled with gratitude. Well, as we close this morning, a man by the name of, uh, I've referenced him before many times, Elie Wiesel. Elie Wiesel was a survivor of the Holocaust during World War II, Nazi death camps. Has the most incredible life story and of his experiences in the camps. But this is what Elie Wiesel said. When a person doesn't have gratitude, something is missing in his or her humanity. Now, if you knew all of Elie Wiesel's story, you would say, how in the world can anybody have gratitude and make a statement like that, having lived and survived what he lived through and survived? But you see, he had, a, he had an understanding of this, of this being grateful, filled with gratitude. Circumstances didn't push gratitude away. He had hope beyond. He, he always retained that hope, so gratitude remained full. He was a Jewish man. Don't know if his faith was complete in Christ. Don't know that. That's between, that's between him and God. It's for God to know. But I know this, having read a number of things that about his life, he was a man of faith. There's no question about that. 
But I wonder this morning, are you filled with gratitude? Are you filled with gratitude because of sins forgiven? Are you filled with gratitude because you have the privilege of worship? And I could go back through all of these. I'm not going to. But the point is, are you full of gratitude? Are you grateful? I cannot encourage you enough, cannot encourage us enough to be grateful, to be grateful. Your circumstances and my circumstances are going to change. They always will. But I can still be grateful through Jesus Christ. No matter what happens, I can still have hope. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's always a reason to be grateful. So are we? Are we full of gratitude? Father, thank you for today and thank you for your word. We pray in these next few moments, you'll speak to us in life. Speak life to us. And let us be truly full of gratitude. Grateful. Adjust what needs to adjust in us so that we can be grateful. We give you all the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.